I'm Dan. I'm Jordan. And this is the Money Basics Podcast. A podcast where we discuss money, budgeting, investing, and everything in between. And if you like this podcast, please rate, subscribe, and share. Every little bit counts, and we don't grow without you. Pia, can you move your claws, please? Thank you. You ready? Mm-hmm. Cool. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Money Basics Podcast, episode two zero. Yeah, really? 20. We did 19 last week, 20 today. Cool. Yep. Unless we got that backwards again, because Dan and I did script the count at like 15 or whatever it was. We kept saying it was episode whatever, and it wasn't the right one. But we're saying it's 20, and we're sticking to it. All right. All right. Uh, so we have... Mel is a recurring guest again because <clears throat> Dan is still on vacation in Portugal, to which we are joining very soon in like four days. Yeah. So that'll be nice. Um, so we will take a probably two-week break from posting the next podcast. Our vac- we're Mel and I are leaving for 10 days, and Dan is still Dan and Sabrina are still gone for <clears throat> further than that. So uh, there'll be a bit of a hiatus, but we'll still share stuff on our social media pages. Um, And I wrote an article today and I posted it. And I will write another article and I will set it to release um, probably about midway through our trip uh, as a release date. Um, But today's article is what's important. um, And that's what we're talking about in our podcast today. So I just kind of took my my writing points to... um, uh, this episode and wrote, wrote them out a little bit more for, uh, for talking points, but I do want to, uh, encourage people listening to check out the articles. If you haven't already on medium, one of the main reasons is it's really good information that, um, well-written articles, mostly by Dan. So Dan does 99% of the articles or has done 99% of the articles. Um, but he gave me free range a little bit. I've done two guest articles previous, and then I wrote this one literally today, and I released it today. Uh, it's called The Six Lessons I Learned uh, When I Started Investing or something like that. I can't remember the title, but it got released today. Um, but anyway, if you want to check out the articles, I'm going to link the Medium page, um, Dan's Medium page, in the description because it is tied to the business. That is our main revenue stream for Money Basics right now. It doesn't make much money, but we do make some, and it's nice. Um because then we can afford things like this laptop that we're using with this microphone that we're using. And it doesn't seem like much, but the fact that I we can move anywhere and record podcasts anywhere with this laptop has moved us out of our basements that are super echoey. So I don't know how any of you guys feel listening to this, but I know when I re-listen to the episode after I release it, it's nice to not have this echo and have a bit qual- better quality mic, et cetera, et cetera. So the the idea that if you guys check out the articles and share some of our stuff and help us grow, um, maybe to bring up a little bit more of the revenue, um, will just give us more opportunity to, to uh, make this better. So we appreciate it. Um, and the end goal um, would be for Dan to finish renovating his basement to make us his little studio with some soundproofing, maybe get um, another program uh, software for us to record with, with an additional mic or two. That way we have more than just one microphone. Um, Cause I don't know if anyone else noticed, but I noticed that this one, if, two or three of us are talking and we sort of say either we're laughing or say something sort of at the same time, uh, it kind of cuts out a little bit. Like the volume gets a little weird. It's like the microphone or the software that we're using sort of has a hard time deciding who to make louder. I don't know if that makes sense, but so I see now why people use multiple mics. Mm -hmm. Um, Dan's basement studio thing is in progress eh? like georgie's working on it oh yeah yeah okay right while while done. yeah i knew i heard yeah. about that that's true yeah so basically he's got an office in the basement downstairs that is going to be the office where the computer is going to be and we're going to put some soundproofing in there so it's um it'll be a lot better um hopefully soon so that'll be nice and then um yeah and having multiple multiple mics will be cool and I, I just i want to invest in some half decent software because i've heard of or listened to some podcasts that use like a free version and i don't know if they're using different mics or what's going on but like one's super loud the other one's really quiet and even though they're mm-hmm. using separate mics it's almost like they may be using different microphones or whatever something's going on that drives me a little bit nuts maybe most people won't notice but i do so if we can buy like another microphone the same or have headsets. I don't know. We'll figure it out as we go. But point being is, is that's kind of the loose business update. 
Um, and I like talking about this stuff while Dan's not here, even though he's probably going to listen to this episode right when I release it. Um, it's fun to talk about spending the business money when he's not around. <laughs> yeah, because you're the spender. He's the saver. Oh, man, you should have seen us go on about this laptop. Uh, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, Dan wanted a deal on a laptop and I'm, I'm the computer guy. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get a deal on the laptop. And I found this exact laptop and it was a really good deal. So, and I, but I know how Dan is with the money and I'm like, I don't want to like, just get it. I want to make sure he's cool with it. So it was just, it was a bad day for both of us. I think I was really busy trying to push to, cause I knew I had stuff going on, but I'm like, Dan, you need to check this out. And he was telling me I'm going to check it out after work. And I said, well, someone's going to buy it. And there's only one left, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Long story short, we didn't get it, and I was kind of pissed. Then we talked about it, and we brushed it over, and we're like, okay. And then a couple of days later, I checked Best Buy again, and I found the exact same laptop, and I just said, screw it, I'm buying it, I'll just send them the receipt, and that's what I did. So, And we have no regrets. She's a beaut. Awesome. Um, and another slight update. Um, I don't remember if I said it in the last episode, but uh, Sandro, so Dan's brother-in-law, brother-in-law Sandro, uh, has made us uh, stickers, money basic stickers. So one's on the laptop right now. It looks nice. It was hard to put on, but that's user error or me trying to figure that out and straighten it out and have no air bubbles. Um, but I have other stickers with QR codes. And I'm just going to kind of stick them. I haven't really figured out where yet. But um, anyway, not that it matters to you guys listening because you could be anywhere, but we have stickers and it makes me happy. And we saved a bunch of money doing it because Sandra's awesome. So I just wanted to make a shout out to that. Cool. All right. Moving forward. Uh, this episode coincides with the article that, um, I've released today. So maybe some of you have read it already. Um, and it's, it basically is uh, six, six lessons, uh, checklist is what I named the title of the podcast, but the article is six lessons I learned as a beginner investor or my beginner investor, six lessons, whatever you get the point. There's six things we're going to talk about today. Uh, as you all know, and I've talked about this before, I learned about investing coming from a place of debt. And as tempted as I was being in debt, wanting to just grab some money to invest, uh, anything that I grabbed onto in terms of my reading, in terms of watching my videos, in terms of anything that had to do with what I was trying to learn around investing, there was common denominators in each lesson that prevented me from just jumping in. Uh, and this comes up a lot for me too, because again, um, we're on, I'm at very active on that app blossom, excuse me. I'm going to limp link the blossom app, um, link into the description, because if you sign up, you don't even have to use it. You get $5. I get $5 and everybody's happy. Um, Mel did it. She doesn't even go on it and she made five bucks and she's on it sometimes. Do you really? Mm -hmm. Just to kind of scroll through. And you don't like any of my things. Sorry. Well, I don't like spend that much time on it. It's just go on it. Uh... You know what I should do? I should go and get my parents. I, I should get my parents to, I should take their phones from them and just sign up on the app and make five bucks <laughs> and get some followers. But I always go in to check to see like the courses and stuff. Yeah. There's new ones. They haven't done courses in a while and they haven't said this, but I think it's because they're doing a Canada tour. Like the, the creators, there's like, two or three of them, but they loop in other people. There's like five or, or so people that are touring Canada right now, just meeting with, they're doing like a convention or something. So why don't you tell the listeners what Blossom is? Cause some people are probably like, what the heck is Blossom? Yeah. Right. Um, so Blossom is a, uh, a new ish investor app that is focused on Canadian and Canadian investors. Mind you, it's an app so anyone can get it. Um, but for the majority, it is Canadian investors. So that's kind of nice because there's a lot of resources out there and a lot of them are U.S. based. And there is a different difference between U.S. like countries and the stock market. So basically, uh, I don't know if each country has their own stock market, but certainly a lot of countries have their own stock market. So the easiest, most visual example is Canada and the U.S. Canada has the Toronto Stock Exchange and the U.S. has multiple. They actually have the NASDAQ. They have um, uh, the S&P, um, oh my God, the New York Stock Exchange and um, whatever, whatever the other ones are, there's one or two more. Um, but those are the two popular ones. Um, so what's nice about Blossom is that they mostly talk, people mostly talk about Canadian stocks, although there are people that invest in 
all markets and that's a good thing to diversify and that's something that i should get into eventually although i kind of do with my etfs but um direct us companies i don't or with us dollars i don't invest with in and i don't think dan does either with um, straight us money but anyway i won't speak for him um yeah so blossom's really cool because you've got people who seem to have quite a bit of experience and then you also have people who have um no or little or no experience and then everyone in between um, and that's one of the apps that I've been most active on, uh, just because I find it's been the easiest one to, well, I shouldn't say easy, but it's been the quickest growth. So like, as an example, and we've talked about this in other episodes, uh, Instagram, YouTube, um, are the two and Facebook are the three main ones that we use. I think Facebook has the most, we're almost at 200 followers. Uh, Instagram's got like 75 YouTube, same thing about 75 and then blossom. I've got just me. I have like 231 followers and Dan has like 15 maybe so it's been like the biggest one which doesn't seem like a lot but I don't know when you're talking about an inherently boring subject like finances getting 200 something followers is kind of cool and I think it's neat that like you guys all kind of like help each other out like someone will have a question and then like you'll get different answers and you know what I really like about it so there was I think when I first started on it it's helped me grow a lot. When I first started on it, like I was confident in my own thing, but to like really coach people, I was nervous because I didn't feel super confident in that. And what I like about Blossom is that like, I almost have to make sure, not that I post BS, but I almost like double check before I post on Blossom just to make sure because I know that there's people out there and that's the point of this app is that there's investors that people will fact check me and call me out on my shit if I don't post something that's factual. So a weird good example is today. And then this gets into something else good. So today someone posted something that I didn't agree with and I had posted my argument, but it wasn't, I wasn't being like, yo bitch and being all, you know, whatever about it. I, hope not. I was being respectful and, uh, and then someone sort of responded. And of course, when you read things, you, I don't know, anyway, kind of read it in more of a negative connotation than maybe the person meant. Um, but we got into a bit of a, I felt a little bit heated. Maybe this person didn't. Um, but in the end, like I ended up finding an article that sort of proved what I was trying to say. And then I reposted the article out of the thread because I just wanted to say, hey, I found this was kind of interesting. But then I didn't really read the article fully. I just kind of skimmed through it because I was writing the article. I was doing a few things at the same time. And I was like, oh, this article kind of sums up what I'm trying to say. Here it is. Because the guy was asking for like proof like of what I was saying. But I thought it was interesting because the original person who posted the first original post didn't post any proof of what he was saying. So I said that in my argument. But anyway, that's beyond the point. Um, so then my separate post sparked more debate from other people saying like that this article is kind of bullshit and all this stuff. And it wasn't, it wasn't. It's just like we realized that it was an RBC article from Royal Bank. So not that it was bullshit, but they really like handpicked the data a little bit for what they were trying to prove. So then we kind of realized that like it was kind of a sales pitch, right? Like RBC, anyway, anyway, it doesn't matter. But point is, is that it like I'd gotten into these debates before and then I dig deeper. So like another good example is um, people have posted and we've talked about this in other episodes, but the biggest one recently was someone's like, Oh, Enbridge has a 200% payout ratio for their, for their dividend, which is really bad for anyone who doesn't know if a company's paying 200% of their profits, basically to pay for a dividend that they're paying out, then they'll go out of business quickly. Right? So I'm like, that doesn't make sense. So it forced me to do more research on a stock that I own that I already know is okay. But I went down that rabbit hole just to make sure that what I was saying was accurate and that they didn't actually have a 200% ratio. And so I'm talking to Dan and I'm doing some research. And I'm realizing, no, they're well within the 70% of pay ratio. This is how you calculate it. So like in a, in a way, not only am I coaching people and hopefully people are taking this information and learning because I am kind of too, it's one, it'll help me learn more. It's helped me learn more. It's helped me research companies that I own that I don't necessarily research because I'm lazy. Um, and I probably should sit down more often in research, but because of these blossom debates, I have been, um, and three, sometimes people throw out things that are out, out there that I don't know that I learned. I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. Whether I agree with the person or not, or whether I agree with their investing strategy or not, I try and take all the information and learn from it because that's one thing that I notice. There's a lot of different styles out there. And one of my pet peeves is 
when someone jumps on and says, oh, investing this way is better than this way, or this way is wrong, or people that do this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I get on there and I'm like, well, why not do all of it? Like, who cares? You know, person's investing. Like, if you're investing and you're doing it right, who cares what you're doing? You know, whether you're day trading or value investing or whatever it is. So it may not be something that I agree with and that we promote at Money Basics, but anyway, whatever. I'm going off on a tangent. Yep, as always. Yeah. Uh, anyway, join Blossom. It's cool. And follow me, not Money Basics. I'm on there as Jordan and Merce 20 is my name, but I'll link it and you can click on it and it'll be easy and you'll make five bucks. Um, so this does kind of tie in a little bit into what we wanted to talk about. So uh, when I started off, uh, the lessons that I learned... Number one was do not have debt. And the bigger kicker was or to use debt to invest. So the style of investing that really captured my interest was what's called value investing. And there are debates about what I'm saying right now. And there will be people that will think that, but wait, you can leverage debt to invest and make money. And it's a no-brainer. Now, I caution you that while that may be true and has happened and people have made money doing it this way, it is a riskier venture because you are you are borrowing money to invest, okay? And I go through that in the article in more detail, but I'll explain it here. If you borrow money to invest, you are likely paying interest on that money. Or like Dave Ramsey would say... Do not be a slave to the lender. That's right. That's right. And as dogmatic as Dave Ramsey is, and as much as I agree with those that say there is a such thing as good debt, it is not something that I promote for myself or the listeners or the uh, fans of Money Basics because the audience that we're trying to capture, we want to keep things as simple as possible, not mm -hmm. because people aren't capable of understanding, but just because these types of things don't need to be that complex. And everyone can be wealthy. Yeah. And out of all the, most of the stuff I've read is pretty well centered around value investing or index investing, which is basically investing in the entire market. Um, but like to give you some examples, I've taught, listened to and, and read uh, books by Danielle and, and Phil Town, Peter Lynch, uh, Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, um, Burton Malkiel is another one. He's a big one that um, promotes index investing, so basically investing in the entire market, um, and and others. But those are the big ones, and they're all value investor oriented folks. Um, and they have all said to not use leverage to invest, to not be in debt when you invest, or to not use debt to invest. Um, and I'll use a simple example. So if you borrow money, you're paying interest on that money, and if your investments tend to not do well. You're screwed. Yeah. Plain and simple. Uh, if you lose, if you use the money you borrowed and you buy companies in the stock market, and for whatever reason those companies don't do well and they lose value, or God forbid they go bankrupt and they completely disappear, then you're stuck holding the bag and needing to pay back this money, not making any money on the borrowed money, uh, and yeah, you're you're out of pocket. Um, and that's just risk. And and even if that doesn't happen, in my mind. That would be on my, in the back of my head. Like I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. I, I had a buddy I used to work with who used to borrow money and he would do options trading. And options trading is like, it's literally going to the casino and betting on red or black. It's like, I don't understand. I've, I've tried to understand how options trading works. I'm not even going to try to explain it. I think we've gone through it in other episodes, but it's casino gambling is what it is. You have to, you predict what, what, you take a company, you try and predict what the stock price is going to be at by a certain time, and it's on a ticker. It's like two hours. And if it doesn't hit that price by that time, you're out a whole bunch of money. And I'm talking like... So that's like basically a casino of the... Stock market. Stock market. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. And people have made tons of money doing this, and people have lost tons of money doing this, and I've seen it. So, yes, it's a wild ride. Sounds now, wild. Now, I have some friends that have done it for fun. They've taken a little bit of money. They don't have debt. They've got sound investments and they've taken a little bit of money to just try it out. And I encourage that if you're in a position to do that and you want to just I don't try know. I don't know if I agree with that. 
these people with like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, what's the word I'm looking for? People that like have a tendency to like gamble and stuff. Well, yeah. It might like set them off. Absolutely it will. And I don't encourage it for anybody who has that. Certainly stay away from that. Yeah. But like, what if you in like, you're encouraging people to do that and then they don't know that they have those kind of tendencies. Well, <laughs> that's beyond my control. I have no idea. I have no idea. That's up to you, listener, to uh, <laughs> to, to sort that out. But all I'm saying is, is that there's nothing wrong with risk if you have one, the stomach for it and the capability to do it. So I'm not saying no, I'm just saying caution, move with caution with that. Um, and a good example is we, well, I, uh, invest, I gambled a little bit with some investments in my warrants, if you remember. Yes. And do you remember how like nervous I was about it? Uh, I guess. I don't know. We really talk about it that much. But yeah, anyway, I put about $1,700 in warrants for a company, which is a less intense, less riskier slightly than options trading, but none, but still part of an options um, trading thing. Anyway, it's a little complicated, but um, in the end, I, I lost my money. So, <laughs> but the point of that was um, I had put the $1,700. It had gone up to like 2,500 at one point and I had a year contract. So it was going to expire in a year and there was some good movement in, um, that those companies and, and in that market. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to hold on. Like, cause you know, you can't time the market and all this stuff. Anyway, in the end that the year went by politics went crazy and it was worthless basically by the end. So anyway, that was a lesson learned. Um, I, but it was with money that we didn't need. And that's all the investment that investing that we do is with money that we don't need. So, um, and that's the whole, uh, that's the whole point. But anyway, we're going to get to another point with that um, investing in money you don't need. But that's the whole reason you want to get out of debt is so you can sleep better at night that you can use money that you don't need to invest. And that way, if something does happen, you don't need to borrow to, to you don't have to borrow to go into debt to fix something or do whatever. And you don't have to pull your money out of your investments because um, that's the last thing you want to do. If you are forced to sell your investments because of a issue or something you need to fix, you could be pulling your money out at a loss. Yeah, and this is why you need an emergency fund. Well, we're going to get there. That's on the list. So, yes, absolutely agree. Um, but you watched a TikTok recently, um, and I don't want to throw numbers out. And Mel, you might you have some numbers, but we don't know what the actual numbers are. And this is TikTok after all. It could be anything, but... Yeah, I don't know. It just made me mad because it's like it was more than one. It was like several different kinds of TikToks and I like I'm not a very like I'm not a seasoned TikTok person. I just, you know, look yeah, at it for yeah. entertainment. Um but yeah, it was like this TikTok and it was like, oh, the average 30-year-old has x amount of debt and Well, give us numbers. What did this like, say? I don't even remember. Well, the one you just showed me said it was like $8,000 in debt was the Well, that was at t- age 25, but oh. this one was higher. It was like the average 30-year-old has like, I don't know, 30,000 in debt, let's say, and uh, us. just uh, has like X amount in car payment a month and um, has uh, is not able to buy a home until the age of 32 and all this stuff. And I like, I just hate that they're like normalizing debt, really. Is that what they were doing? Well, that's what it's to me, that's what it seemed like. Mm. It was like, oh, it's okay if you're in debt if you're in your 30s. Like, everyone else is in debt as well, mm. you know? It's not okay. No, it's not. And, and you can you don't have to live like that. And the fact that they're, like, trying to, you know, like, they just, like, the advertising and the marketing part of social media has been getting to me so much lately. It's just like, they're just... Coincidentally, we just released episode 19, griping all about oh. this. Has it been bothering you since last week? <laughs> it's 10 times worse now. <laughs> Bam, money basics got you. Like, it's just like, I see something and I'm just like, well, like, that would, like, someone would buy that. And it's like, ugh, it's just, it's frustrating. It's like, okay, well, people are trying to save money and stuff. And, like, you know, everyone's having a hard time right now, it seems like. 
um, with like interest rates on the rise and recession or whatever they're calling it. And people are living paycheck to paycheck yet. Like I know most people are scrolling social media and like, it's just like advertisement after advertisement of stuff that like people don't really need. It's not a basic need yet. They're trying to tell people you need this product. And you know, it's 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 frustrating. I don't know. Let me tell you though, those who are not struggling right now financially are making money hand over fist. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So you definitely have those that are struggling, and there's there's a high percentage of people that are struggling, living paycheck paycheck to paycheck for sure. But those who are not struggling, who have been investing for a long time, are making making bank yeah. and taking advantage of everything they can and right now the advantage is high interest rates so high interest rates on the consumer side aren't good because everything becomes more expensive but high interest rates on the investor side creates opportunity so things like gic's for mm -hmm. example are like 5.2 percent uh i think there's even some at 5.5 percent right now yeah which is like that's a locked in investment guaranteed return no risk at all and you're getting 5.5% every year for, I think they offer them for one year and two year terms. I don't quote me on that one, but for sure one year I've seen 5.2. I think EQ Bank offers that. EQ Bank. Um, we love EQ Bank. I love EQ Bank. Can we switch our bank to EQ Bank? Not fully. Not yet. We're not there yet. I do want to mention though, like I got the new Simply Financial card. <laughs> I, I'm telling you guys, like we posted on social media about this, but like I'm I'm serious. I bet you Simply was like so. EQ Bank is a smaller bank compared to all the other Canadian banks, but they have been getting crazy amounts of customers in the last couple of years and crazy amounts of deposits. So they're not by any means getting bigger than any of the banks, but they're certainly growing very quickly. Um, and they're very like, they're very hip. Like I find like using their app is very colorful and, and easy and their commercials on YouTube that I've noticed are like, you know, sticking it to the big guy. And like, they're really, it's really like, I like their stuff, you know, like everything they put out, like their product. I like using as a consumer. I like investing in EQ. Um, anyway, so I, I'm guarantee you simply because they're an online bank and they were an online bank before EQ bank existed the way they do now. Uh, they were probably sitting in a boardroom and they're like, they're getting all these, all these customers. How do we compete with them? And then one dude was like, let's change our layout and colors of the app and make it like brighter than EQ. They use yellow and pink. We should use pink and green and some crazy flashy colors. And the CEO was like, I like that idea, Johnson. <laughs> and then I get the, the new Simply Bank card in the mail. Well, first of all, we download them. They're like, we're changing our look for our app. Download in oh, the I, app store. I hate you, app. you open up the Simply app and it's like, it's like a beam of sunlight. You're like, ah. <laughs> it's like, so lying to you. It's crazy. And like, they change things and move things around. I'm like an old person. It's like, Whenever the grocery store moves things around and you can't find anything, it's so strange. <laughs> I don't even like open it anymore. It's just like it blinds me. It's so bright. So I'm just like, and then the, I get the new Simply Bank card and it's literally like this fluorescent like pink. And I put it beside the EQ Bank card that I have, the yellow one. And I was like, look at this. It was like Simply Financial was like, hold my beer. <laughs> oh my God, I laughed. Man. Anyway. Whew, that was a good time. EQ Bank. Um, so number two lesson um, came. Okay. The first book I ever read. Dan's going to hate me for this. But we've already talked about it, but take suck it, Dan. You're gone. Um, I read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Now, in the article that I published today, I published Dan's article that he wrote about how Robert Kiyosaki is a douchebag basically um and fraud uh and i don't disagree with that now that i'm more seasoned um but it was recommended to me to read that book and honestly it was an easy read it was a short book i don't remember it was like less than 300 pages um probably i think even less than 200 pages and as much as he talked about and i won't get into it because i don't want to promote any of the stuff that he promotes because it's some of it's pretty shady like tax evasion oh yeah yeah Wow. And he does talk a lot about like leveraging debt and buy real estate and like going down that rabbit hole. So basically, you know, Dave Ramsey used to own a bunch of properties. Like he talks about his story about how he went bankrupt. Yeah. Well, that's what Robert Kiyosaki does. He borrows a shit ton of money. Well, that's, he says he does. I don't know if he actually does. I also saw a TikTok about that. About what? 
um, some guy was talking about like borrowing money and like good debt, borrowing money to buy real estate will like you'll win in the end type of thing. But yeah. like if you look at the housing market right now, like yeah, like property values during COVID were like skyrocketing, and now they're like coming back down and like kind of normalizing, right? Yeah. So yeah, no, like. Yeah. But like he was pushing it, and I, I I don't like it because they're just pushy. Yeah, and well, that's I, what it is. I know, but that's what TikTok is, <sighs> and reels and everything else that's short. It's like high pressure sales. It's like people yelling at you about stuff. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Dry, right. Yeah, that's why I don't look at any of that stuff. Anyways, but yeah, go on. Yeah. So anyway, Robert Kiyosaki. I, if you guys don't know, he's supposed to be this like guru investing guy, but he always pushes his books and his seminars and all this stuff. So he's very salesy. But anyway. The point of my friend who recommended this book um, was for me to just read it and get into the mindset of the spirit of it. And that was something that I pulled from this book. So the spirit of, and what I grabbed from it the most was what they call in the book, getting out of the rat race. And what they meant about that in the book was getting out of your boring old nine to five job, working for a paycheck until you basically retire or die. And what the lesson was intended to be and what I grabbed out of it was looking at ways to earn income that was passive, which meaning income that I make that I don't physically have to work for, uh, while also being super tax efficient. So in the book, it was kind of tax fraudy. I'm going to use the word tax efficient and I'll get into that in sort of my next um, sort of thing. Well, I can talk about it now. So, um, and that's another thing that I see on TikTok that I've noticed so we did a money base. We have a money basis account on TikTok. Someone told me I should do it, and I was like, oh, "I'm going to get a bunch of followers on TikTok." I I hate TikTok. The, the, it, there's it's just like it's it's a place where you go to like lose brain cells. It's horrible. And you like just fall like. I don't. I never did. I hate just it. Go I down it this rabbit hole. I it's... never have. It just it doesn't do it for me. I just shut it off. I can't. I, Facebook's been getting me rates recently. There'll be a video that I notice, like a like a reel or whatever they call it on Facebook, and I see it, and then I'm I go down the rabbit hole on Facebook because it just like shows me all this because they know they they're on you all day long. They listen to everything you say, yeah. so they throw videos at me that I want to watch. But anyway, so that was a thing on TikTok. People were like make passive income, and they would talk about like doing like translations on Google and like making money for doing the translations. And I'm like, that's not passive income. You're working to do that. And like, not ever like they make they make it so unrealistic because not everyone can have that many followers, you know, and not no, no, but they, they don't really like give you details about it. This wasn't about followers. This was they were saying that like you could get a translating job. They were they would link some sort of website that you can do like translations and you would literally just take, you would copy paste whatever they want to translate it into Google translate and then put it back in this thing and they would pay you like 50 bucks, or whatever for it. Okay. It, anyway, I'm sure it's probably, I don't know anyway, but it doesn't matter whether it's real or not. The point is, is that that's not passive income. You are spending time translating. I mean, you're but not you're taking time. You're taking time to do it. Yeah. Passive income is you're doing nothing. Like you make money while you sleep. Exactly. And the easiest way for me to explain that to, to our listeners and to anyone and in the article is stock stock market investing in, in company stocks. So like even though the stock market closes, there's still after hours trading, companies sort of go up and down even when the stock market's not open. Um, and dividends are another way of a really good example. So if I buy a company, let's say uh, TELUS for whatever reasons on the top of my mind, if I buy TELUS and TELUS goes up in value because they're making a whole bunch of money and they are getting into the healthcare space and there's all kinds of cool other cool stuff they're doing, then I've made money in their capital gain. Meaning if I bought their, their a share one share of their company for $20 and they do a bunch of cool stuff and a bunch of other people buy them and now they're worth $25, then I can sell my share for $25 and all I've done is two clicks and taken five minutes of my time and I've made five bucks. That's a very easy, very fast example, but TELUS also pays a nice dividend. They're like up, upwards of 5%. So if I hold that share, not only will that share likely go up in value because it can do, go down if the company doesn't do well, the dividend will be paid to me. Whether I'm on vacation, whether I'm recording this podcast, whether I'm sleeping or working or not, or whatever I'm doing, I'm getting that dividend. Now, yes, there's risk. The company could go down in value. They could cut the dividend if they're not doing well. Etc. Etc. So it's important that you do your research. 
and make sure that it's in, that if you're going to do that type of investing that you know the company and you know how they pay the dividend and how sustainable that dividend is. So that's why I'm very confident in all the companies that I invest in because I've done that research. Their dividends are nice and sustainable and I'm going to make them for a long time and we're going to live off of that eventually. That's passive income. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's more to that, but that's in the last lesson. Okay. So here's one of the, the third lesson that I think you're going to have some things to say about. Um, the third lesson is have an emergency fund. I get half trolled on Blossom all the time for telling people to pay off debt and have an emergency fund. And the reason I promote it so much is because out of all the investors I've listened to, they've all said that. Those are the two common denominators that I've heard in any single investment guru person that I've watched. They always say, don't be leveraged and have an emergency fund in cash. That's not too easy to access, but, but easy to access. So for example, you don't want to put your emergency fund in a locked in one year GIC because if you need the money within that year, you're pooed. Yeah. Um, but putting it in something like a high interest savings account, putting it in something like um, the cash ETF, which is the stock ticker name. Um, I can't remember what company that is again, but anyway, it's, it's, it's a dividend ETF. They pay a for almost 5% dividend. Um, anyway, there's a lot of options out there for where you should put an emergency fund. Um, but the most common is like a high interest savings account. Right now, high interest savings accounts are 5% or more, which is what we're in. Um, yeah. Um, Wealth Simple actually has a nice uh, thing right now too. If all of your, um, if everything you own, you have in, in Wealth Simple, so all of your accounts combined are $100,000, they not only give you the premium version of their app, which is a monthly fee to anyone who doesn't have $100,000 in assets, um, but they also give you 4% on any cash that you hold in their account, in their accounts. Cool. Or in, I don't remember if it's a cash account or what, but anyway, well, simple is pretty cool. Um, but the, 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 the point is an emergency fund is your insurance against life. Life, exactly. And like, what if, you know, your fridge breaks down or I don't know, something major happens. You don't want to have, like, you want it to be an inconvenience, not an emergency, right? Like, mm -hmm. and that's why you have like money set aside to, you know, get a new fridge or fix your fridge. What if you didn't have that money aside? You leveraged yourself so much that you put everything you own into the stock market and then oh well now i have to you know sell a stock in order to buy a new fridge well that takes days right not only that but you could also sell at a loss exactly you might be losing money like i see it as money that you put into the stock market is money that you don't need ever like it's like okay i have this extra money i'm gonna invest it because i'm not gonna need it Mm -hmm. And then it's for the long term, right? Yep. So I'll give don't you don't want to pull out. I'll give you a very tangible example. So every single dollar that you and I have put in the stock market, and for you guys listening or you folks listening, Mel isn't active at all with our investments in the stock market. It's all through my account right now. Um, you have a little bit in your robo vesting. Mm -hmm. um, and anyway, but right now we're focusing on trying to fill up my tax free savings account and then we'll probably shift things a little bit. But she doesn't, I, I, I'm pretty transparent with it, but she doesn't really care that much about it. So we don't really talk about it all that often. We do talk about it though. Like you are very open about, like you literally tell me every single move you make in the stock market. Yeah. Because, well, okay. That's, yeah, that's fair. But like, do you know how much money we have in, in our account? Yeah. Right Cause I ask you every so often and you're like, what? how much, how much do we have? No, now. <laughs> anyway. We have an emergency fund and the tangible example that I have is that I'm not losing any sleep because there's two reasons for that. Like I said in the last episode, if we were to sell everything right now, we would we would owe people, the brokers that we use, well simple and Quest Trade, seven thousand dollars if we sold everything right now. Yeah, mostly because of Quest Trade though. Well, it's not because of Quest Trade, it's well, because of the company that yeah, I bought that didn't exactly. do well. Exactly. Um so uh, I wanted to, I, did, I didn't want to go down this rabbit hole, but I feel the need to expand on that. So one third of my investing portfolio is in cannabis companies in the States. 
because Canadian cannabis is a dumpster fire. Please don't invest in any Canadian Canadian cannabis companies. But I can't argue very much right now with the U.S. cannabis companies either because they're kind of a dumpster fire too. But the only thing that I have in my defense and in their defense is that they are actually, despite all the bad things that are happening, mostly politically, they are still making money and staying afloat. The big ones. But the when I bought them, there was a lot of buzz around politics and how they were going to federally legalize weed. Um, there's safe banking that they're waiting for, which is like a bill so that the cannabis companies can actually use the banks, even though it's not federally legal. There's a few other things. So what I've seen happen and what has happened prior to me investing in these companies is that there's a lot of buzz around these things. And then the, the, the people buy in, the stock price goes up like crazy for all of them. And that was what was happening when I bought in. So partly my fault is I didn't do enough research. I, it's hard to predict. I didn't do enough research and I didn't pick a really good buy price. I think I may have been able to, or maybe it would have been shit luck, be more patient and bought now because they like some of our investments in those MSOs were down 80% or more. Like truly, if I'm down, we're down like 85%. It's crazy. I bought them in Quest Trade at like $60 a share and they're down to like five. But like. But at the time when I bought them, my $62 in Quest Trade, the, the, the stock price had gone up to like 80 and I was, that I was, was like up. That was the first, one of the first stocks you bought. It was, truly was the and first. And I feel like you've learned a lot yes, since then. For sure. And like your patience has grown but I can't, over the years. I can't wholeheartedly say that even though what I know now, I, I don't know if I would have made a different different choice, different, um, I, I don't know if I wouldn't have bought them because of everything that was going on at the time. Politics were moving in the right direction. The right things were being said. Everything was going up. And uh, I don't know if anyone could have predicted what was happening. Well, you, when you can't predict the stock market. No. So you just not, not from do what your I've, research. Yeah, not from what I've learned or, or heard from any of the gurus, right? They all they all say that it's just it's a it's a beast of its own, for sure. So anyway, the point is is that even though we're down. I don't lose any sleep because the money that we put into the stock market is money that we can quite literally light on fire that we don't need. Do I want to lose $25,000? No. Would that suck? Yeah, absolutely. But is it going to ruin my life? Absolutely not. We would just say, well, that sucked and move forward. Yeah, because, well, one, we budget, so we know what we need to live on. And two, we have an emergency fund, so if something were to go bad, we would just use that to replace it. Like like you said, all that money that we're putting in the stock market is extra money that we put aside in our budget every month that we don't need. Mm. It's like the excess that we have that we don't need. Yeah. And you know what else is really cool? What? Uh, the, the other two-thirds of my portfolio, most of the companies that I own, all the other companies that I own, in the two th so one third is MSOs, two thirds, with the exception of one or two, are paying dividends, and we've made twelve hundred dollars in dividends so far. But I have to calculate it for the rest of this year. So yes, we're down to uh, seven thousand, but we've made twelve hundred dividends so far. So even if none of the companies move in value, which they have and they will, likely up. Um, the dividends will eventually even us out in our losses. Yeah. That's even great. if everything stays the same. Exactly. As long as the companies don't cut the dividend. But like I said, I've done the research and they're well within the comfort margins. So there have to be some crazy thing to happen for them to cut those dividends. And I say that one of my companies did cut their dividend in half. But anyway, that's why it's important to diversify. That way you're not all stuck in one sector. And if bad things happen to one, good things are happening to another. And even with my banks. So I've told you about this, but. Um, the banks have taken a bit of a hit recently because of like everything that's going on with interest and like the U.S. banking system was failing for a little bit um, and other stuff was going on. So the Canadian banks took a bit of a hit crazily. Um, and Laurentian Bank was uh, one that I, what I've been holding and that I've had confidence in because I like the CEO and I like their story and they're trying to turn things around. Anyway, they announced like a few weeks ago that they're going to be bought out and we're not sure by who yet. And like they just shot up like a whole bunch. So I was down like 30% on them. 
And after this news, I'm up like 4%. So I've gained like 35% or whatever, a little more. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, the decision that I was talking to Dan about, it was like, what do you think? And he was like, well, he's like, you could sell right now and be done with it and be up like 50 bucks or whatever it is, or a hundred bucks and take the money and run or wait it out and see what happens with this buyout. And the rumor has it that one of the big Canadian banks is going to buy them out. And what's not to like about the big Canadian banks and Laurentian bank is paying a nice dividend. So I'll sit here and collect a dividend while they sort all this out and someone buys it. And what will happen is someone buys it is that they'll probably, one of the options will be converting shares to that company. So let's say, I don't know, TD buys best case scenario for me would be actually, no, the best case scenario for me would be if like national bank or BMO buys them because I don't own any national bank or BMO shares. I own TD and CIBC and EQ bank. Um, I would be happy if anyone bought them, but if it was a bank that I didn't already currently own, like National Bank would be a good one. If they bought Laurentian and they converted shares, I would just keep it because like all the banks pay a nice dividend. Canadian banks are kind of a no-brainer. Not advice, by the way. Um, yeah. Anyway, that'd be really cool. So I'm happy to just collect my... And I still like Laurentian Bank, even though all this is going on. Like I still think even if no one's going to buy them and it doesn't fall through, like they'll, they're doing all right. Like they're really not bad at business they're just not as good as the other ones anyway so the point of jordan's story is don't invest until you have an emergency fund because you do not want to invest and then have to pull the money out yeah because like i said you could pull out in a market downturn and lose money and there's other implications of that too if you're investing in a tax-free savings account as an example and if you sell all of your investments at a loss, then you could potentially permanently lose contribution room in your tax-free savings account. And that's just one example of some of the punishments or the punitive factors that could happen in a scenario like that. So anyway, be mindful of that. Yes. All right. Let's uh, let's roll this along here. Let's, Point number four. Yeah. Lesson number four. And this is another common one that I've heard from everyone that I've listened to in, in terms of investing, the gurus. Invest long term. So and and the, the the proof is in the pudding or the bread is in the butter. <laughs> What's the saying? I don't know. Uh the the stock market. Okay, so and everyone I don't know. I feel like I keep saying the stock market and there may be some listeners being like, Oh, he keeps talking about the stock market, it doesn't apply to me. But like the stock market applies to everyone. Like, cause at almost every, com every company that matters is on the stock market and it affects us all, whether we're investing in the stock market or not, whether we like it or not, because we buy the products, we spend the money and the market affects the economy and it's all tied. Um, so if you look at the stock market with that in mind, uh, if you zoom out your time horizon, so the market's been around since like, forever at least 100 years i don't want to say a wrong number it's been more than 100 years that the stock market's existed um i want to say 120 years but we'll just say 100 years okay if you zoom out from 100 years from year one the stock market existed to 100 years later the curve is up there's a whole bunch of little divots all the way up but it's up okay yeah. so if you invested for the last 100 years you would have made you're beat, you be up overall in your investment. Mm -hmm. And that's what they're trying to say. They're like, those who invest for short term, those who put money in and they're like, oh, I'm going to invest for, you know, day traders I like to pick on, you know, they, 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 they trade swings, you know, a couple percent. I don't know. Sometimes they get lucky and they'll make it. Um, but it's a, it's a gamble. Like stocks fluctuate anywhere from one, uh, from zero to 3% hour by hour sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah uh or, or minute by minute even and um you know sometimes that's a curse uh, us as average joe blows being able to see all this information for free like you can check this out on google finance or yahoo finance and i'm guilty of it like when i first put money in the stock market i was so excited because i'm like oh my god i finally started investing because i was learning about it for two years while i was trying to pay off debt i didn't have any money real money in the stock market so when i finally had my money in the market even though my my companies were slow dividend payers, most of them. And my investment horizon timeline was long. I still would be at work on my second screen, having my investments open, watching them. I'd have my watch. Yeah. List. You were like obsessed. And I just was watching the, watching the charts. Yeah. I, I just, I remember I, you like, I, 
I remember having to like bring it down a bit, like oh yeah, bit, like calm down, yeah, and remind you that it's a long term thing. It's not like okay, yeah, your X stock went up X amount of percentage, but like tomorrow it could be in red, and you have proved that to me. Yeah, I'm not active in the stock market, and I let you do all that stuff, but I've seen you come home and be like, oh yeah, um. Do we have any extra money for me to put in the stock market because so and so is in the red? And I, how many times have I told you, Jordan? Not today. Have patience. Like, yeah, but that's okay. That's a lot to unpack. So when I come home and ask you if we have extra money and we I can invest, that's one for you guys listening, a two-way conversation between you and I because we have joint accounts and I want to make sure that everything's taken care of and I can take the money to invest. I know, but like but, the point of my story is that you don't have any patience when it comes to the... No, 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 the- I agree. But but the reason I come home is not because, oh, X company is in the red. I, I You can see your total investments. And when my total investment of any company that I own is is in the negative, then that's an opportunity to do what we call dollar cost averaging. Okay? So... I, let's say, own, um, I don't know, 100 bucks of TD, okay? And TD goes down in value because they own a bunch of U.S. equities and USA is taking a shit right now and the banks are not doing well. So everyone's like freaking out and TD just went down to 80 to, um, I don't know, say they went down 15%. And my investments, because I bought them at $100 for $100, are now worth $80. But if I were to buy more at $80, I can bring down my average buy price. So if I bought... Oh, I don't know, I keep saying I own $100 worth, but let's say TD was at $100 a share and I own one share at $100 and that's what I mean. And now they're worth $80. If I buy enough shares at $80, I will bring my average buy price from $100 to $80 if I do it enough. So when I come home and say, hey, these companies are in the red, they're in the red and I want to take advantage of that dollar cost average because when they go back up, then that'll just make that much more money. And that's okay. why. And I feel... And oftentimes you're like, but it like, has to be now. And I do feel like that because, and TD is a good example, because now we're in the green with TD. And thankfully, you and I had a good communication. We put like almost $2,000 into TD. And guess how much money we have now in TD babies? We'd make, if we were to sell TD right now, all of our $2,000, we'd be up to 150 bucks right now. Cool. Because we took advantage of when they went down. And But the moral of the story is that they go up and down and up and down. Yes. Most companies, some companies don't. So, I'll, so I'll basically, give... don't freak out if something goes down because it'll eventually get, it'll go back up, and that's why the stock market is a long term. Yeah, well, investing. There's a lot of caveats to that, but yes, overall. Okay. Well, for that example, let's just say if you if you invested in the entire stock market, yes, that's true. The stock market does go up. Always. Eventually. But it fluctuates. Yeah. Daily for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Individual companies is a little bit different because there's two that I can think off the top of my head. Three that I've never seen go down. Uh, Two. CN Rail is one that I've never seen go down, but I've only been watching them for four years. Exactly. And Dollarama is another one that I've never seen go down. And I wanted to buy both. And I'm not because I just don't. I don't know. So there's the, there's a debate in my own head. It's like, I've never seen them go down. Maybe they will at some point. If I buy them, maybe they'll still go up, but they might not. I don't know. So, so I stick to my guns. I stick to my thesis. I have my own companies that I own. I just stay away from them because I don't feel like they're at a good buy price. Um, but anyway, that's, that's a little, a little further down. That's moving into the next point. Is it? To invest oh, in. Yeah, I guess it is. In things that you know. Yeah, so what I mean by that is um, investing nowadays is really easy to do, and I encourage everyone to invest, and it's a really awesome thing to do, and it can be very profitable um, and and good in the long term, but if you jump in and have no idea what you're doing or no idea what you're investing in, or if you're following the advice of random internet strangers, like maybe, pe- maybe morons on TikTok, <laughs> you're setting yourself up for failure. and you want to do your best to invest in things that you know. So my preferred method personally is 
looking into individual companies that I like and use for the most part. So I, you know, keep talking about banks, but EQBank, another plug. Um, I really like EQBank um, as an investor because they're growing very, very um, quickly. They're growing their dividend quickly um, and they have a very nice sustainable dividend. And we're up like 20% on EQBank and they're paying us a 3%, almost 3% dividend right now. And they've been increasing it a lot. Um, and, and they're planning on keeping on increasing it because they, the um, payout ratio is really good. Um, and this information is really easy to find. And in the article that I released today, I, there's some, um, resources that we have on our website, uh, on our YouTube channel and some of the articles that will break down what to look for with individual, individual companies, um, a little like screener tool also on the website that's free that you can use that Dan developed. Um, but if this stuff really doesn't interest you, and we talked about this in other episodes, like if you're just like repulsed by doing research in companies and you're just not interested in that at all, then just invest in, 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 in a broad ETF. Um, the number one advice that I have right now, so I used to, when I started, would tell everyone to go to a robo-investor. So like yeah. well, simple automatic investing. I changed my tune a little bit. Just because the robo-investing charges a higher fee, it's 0.5%, which is a lot lower than a mutual fund that usually charge 2 to 3%. Um, so I, it's still in my good books for sure. And that's a way that you could just auto-invest without worrying about it. You just put money in it. They do it for you. They kind of invest in the entire market, but at a 0.5% fee. Um, the more efficient way to do this would be, though it does require a little more effort and research, is to open up a self-directed account that you manage yourself and you just buy you you can set automatic buys but you buy a broad market etfs so uh, a popular example would be something like um, vfv which is a vanguard um, etf fund vanguard just like a company that makes etfs they just basket stocks together that you can buy and vfv tracks um, the entire the entire s p 500 which is the 500 biggest companies in the states and you put money in that and it just puts all your money into all the different companies and it's the whole 500 companies in the market and that's broad market investing that's just one example um and that's us stuff um now you can get into the argument that oh well you should invest in voo instead of vfv so voo is the apparently the original US version, US version of that. And VFE is the Canadian hedged one. So there is um, US dollar conversion fees that are sort of in the background that happens. So there's big debates about that, that people should invest in VOO in an RRSP to avoid those taxes, which are very mar very minimal, very marginal. But that's like, we're getting into crazy stuff. So my point is, is that if you just index ETF invest, versus the robo vesting you're paying way less of a fee so as an example um etfs often charge a 0.05 percent fee or lower sometimes a little more too i've seen zero point um anyway i've seen it all over the place but 0.05 is like sort of average um and it, but it's always there so think about it you're paying 0.5 percent with the robo visor um which is a good option uh, or you're paying 0.05 with something like VFE. Don't quote me. I'm not looking at it right now. I'm not going to search it right now, but it's something like that. But like I said, you want to go into the ETF website. You want to look at all the companies and invest in, at least have an idea. And they'll show you on their websites. Of course, they're going to sugarcoat it a little bit, but they're legally obligated to show you how the fund's been performing, what kind of dividend they're paying, how sustainable it is, all that stuff. So you want to maybe just glance at that and read it a little bit to have an understanding of what you're investing in if you're going to go that route. Um, cause you want to have some idea, but you definitely want to know what you're investing in. Um, cause then what happens is we don't know what you're investing in. So, uh, what could I use as a good example? Something that happened recently. Tell us, tell us, I love, I love tell us. So tell us their international company came out and said that their future outlook wasn't looking great. I don't remember what the story was, but people freaked out. And it was very notable because the stock price went down like 15% or more in the last month. Um, and people on Blossom were like, what's happening with Telus?" And freaking out and saying, should I sell? I'm at a loss, blah, 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 blah. So, and meanwhile, I'm sitting there going, this is fantastic. It's an opportunity to dollar cost average <laughs> because now my Telus shares are down 10%. 
Yeah. And I'm like, I'll just pick up more. So my dividends that have been coming in, I've been buying Telus, I've been buying Rio Can because it's down. Why am I buying a company that's going down in value? Mel. To average cost, dollar average cost. To dollar cost average. Yes, absolutely. Yes. But like, but why would one person say, oh my God, I'm going to sell because they're going down in value. And why would I be buying because when it's going down? Because they're panicking. Right. Because it it seemingly would be that they don't know what they own. And yeah. I know that Telus's books look great. The revenues have been fantastic. Their dividend is awesome and sustainable. So this is a sale. This is like me walking into Costco and everything's 15% off. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I'm, yeah, hell yeah, I'm going to buy more Telus shares. Just like I bought TD when it went down, when everyone was freaking out with the U.S. bank system going crazy. I'm like, this is... I'm like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I have no idea. Maybe everyone else is right and I'm wrong. Maybe maybe TD is going to go bankrupt. Maybe Telus is going to go bankrupt. And it, the crazy part is, is it doesn't matter because we're investing with money that we don't even need anyway. <laughs> so even if I'm wrong and we lose all our money, who cares? Right? Yeah, that would suck. But Yes, whatever. it would suck. For sure. I For sure. I don't want to lose $25,000. Big time. Yeah, I'd be like, this is terrible. But like... We wouldn't have to sell our house. We yeah. wouldn't have to pick up an extra job. Like, it would literally be like, wow, that sucks. Okay, next. You know, like, it wouldn't affect us at all. Like, mm -hmm. like in the grand scheme of things, it wouldn't affect us at all. You know? True. Yeah. So, you want to know what you own. And if you don't want to know what you own, then get someone to invest for you. But no. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say that. Mutual, don't open that can. Yeah, arms. mutual funds are not to stay away from mutual funds. But RoboVisor is good and ETFs good. But know a little bit what you own with both those things. But you definitely want to know what you own. And if you want to get into investing without searching companies and knowing what you own, um, try and take that out of it. Because the more emotion and the more skin in the game that you have, the more these swings happen, the more you're going to be freaking out about it. And if you don't know why things are happening, at least have a general idea of why things are happening, then you put yourself at risk to panic sell and lose sleep. And nobody wants to lose sleep or panic sell, especially when your stock price is going down and you don't want to get down there. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, and then the last one. So, um, number six, lesson six, we want to legally avoid taxes as much as possible. So I'm actually reading this in my book, The Millionaire Next Door, and they're actually on this chapter about um, how you want to make a reasonable income um, on the books because you want to get taxed at a lower tax rate if you can. But you want to use uh, accounts or um, ways that you can take advantage of tax laws, basically, and 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 um, save on taxes. So in Canada, we have a few accounts that help us do this. So we have the tax-free savings account um, that if you invest in your tax-free savings account, any money that you make within the account, whether that's capital gain, so the money that the companies go up in, or the dividends that you make are tax-free. So magic wand, TELUS decides that they're going to pay all their shareholders a million dollars in dividends. We hold TELUS in our tax-free savings account. If they decided to give us a million dollars, that would be tax-free. And we could sell the sell the shares and take the money. No, we wouldn't have to sell the shares. If they paid us a million dollars dividend, we could pull that out of the tax-free savings account and have a million dollars. It would be tax-free. That, that is an absolute insane scenario that would never happen, but I'm just saying if it did, it could, and we wouldn't be taxed on that. Cool. Yeah. Um, same thing with the RRSP, the Registered Retirement Savings Account. It's tax-deferred. So when you um, when you add money to the account, uh, you can deduct that from your taxes. So it's it basically, say you make $40,000 a year and you add $4,000 to your RRSP, then you can claim in your taxes that you made $36,000 instead of 40 and they would tax you at that uh, marginal tax rate. So you would save a bit on your taxes. Um, so there are advantages and disadvantages to both and there are restrictions to both accounts. So certainly learn more about that um, because you will get taxed later on in retirement and the idea is that you won't be making as much money in retirement. Um, but anyway, we talked about these in other episodes. I don't want to get into the details of the accounts. Point is, is there are tax advantaged accounts in Canada to take advantage of and you should if you can, absolutely. Um, but what you want to try and do and what we're going to do is we're going to live off of our dividends that are going to be that are being accumulated into our tax free accounts as much as we can. Um, because of the limitations, it won't be enough. We're going to have to use 
non-registered accounts eventually um, to do what we want to do, retire on our dividends. So we will be paying some tax. But if you can avoid paying taxes, so as an example, say we make $100,000 family income, we're getting taxed for that $100,000, right? Um, if we make $100,000 in dividends within our top three accounts, then we technically make $200,000 in a year, but we're only getting taxed for $100,000. Cool. Yeah. And that's the idea. You want to try and pay as minimal taxes as possible because that's a big wealth killer too. Yeah, that's If true. you make a high income, you are getting taxed to shit. Um, and, you know, it's it's part of what's killing your wealth. But, uh, you know, control the controllables. We also pay taxes and it all goes to a <clears throat> good cause. Um, anyway, we won't get into that. Um, but, yeah, that's the six lessons that I've learned since beginning investing. And um, I think that a lot of those apply to personal finance, really, in general. Um, and there's a lot of things that people can take from this that are on any part of the spectrum uh, of personal finance, whether that's somebody that's in debt or, or, or a savvy investor. Um, these are, these are the rules. And if you follow them, you, you'll be in a good spot. Cool. And I guess that's all. Awesome. So we'll wrap this up. Don't forget to check out the description uh, where I'm going to link um, the medium articles, our medium account, the Blossom app, get that five bucks. And um, I'm going to link also the Wealth Simple Masterclass series. It's a very fun series that I like. Someone reminded me about it on Blossom saying how they really enjoyed it and I, I enjoy it as well. And I made the comment that um, the guy that does it, the narrator of the series is, um, oh, I can't remember, Nicholas Braun is the actor's name. And he plays Greg in Succession. And Succession is a show about um, business, basically, but it's a drama and it's really good. And Mel actually really enjoyed it. And it's freaking funny and weird. And uh, anyway, it's on HBO and it's good. And Greg is doing the narration of the Wilsonville Masterclass. And I'm almost tempted to watch it again because now I know Greg, the character on Succession, and it's going to be funnier. Um, <laughs> but it's a good series. It talks about like really the basics of investing and why everyone should invest. And they touch on robo-investing and all this other stuff. The little caveat about it is that it is a wealth simple product. So they do push their things a little bit in this series. But I'm okay with that because I really like wealth simple. And I think that they are out there for the than the average Joe. Um, and uh, yeah, anyway, for the people, just like EQ Bank. How many times did I say that? No, we need no a sponsor. Way. We need sponsorship. EQ Bank's got to sponsor us. Well, Simple's got to sponsor us. Uh, Talus has to sponsor us because I use public mobile and I promote them all the time. Who else? Best Buy. TD Bank. All right, Mel's getting. I'm annoyed. sitting here rolling my eyes. Mel's getting annoyed. We got to wrap this up. All right, appreciate everybody for the listen. Uh, don't forget to share. We don't grow without you. And uh, have a good one. And we'll see you on the next one after we're back from our trip. Boom. Good night. <laughs>